So before coming to Korea for good, I was just uh, tidying up all the things, all the all the, uh, all the things in my house, so the furniture, the, the the bed, and all those things. Before because I was to come to Korea for good, that's why I had to get rid of all these uh, furniture and my stuff. And even though I went back and forth between uh, the U.S. and Korea throughout the years of my study abroad, this is the first time that I have come for a long period of time to Korea. It's the first time I have come back for good. And so, many things are new. And please help me out because I need a lot of help to get used to the life over here. I'm sure most of you know who I am, but I just, wanna, I just want to introduce myself to you guys. My name is Judy Kim, and I also have a Korean name, which is Kim Chan-mi, which means praise. But because I'm so used to listening, hearing me uh, being called Judy, if you call me Chan-mi, I might not respond to you. So if you call me by my Korean name and I don't respond, then just call me by call me Judy, and I would I would I would know that you were talking to me. And my current age is, and the Korean age standard has changed recently. And I was born uh, in 1992. So those of you are fast with calculations, where you would be able to uh, <clears throat> calculate my my current age. And I have been in this church, in this church, for around 16 or 17 years. And when I came here, I was a middle schooler, but now I'm actually concluding my PhD. So time has really passed. And in my time in this church, I didn't spend a lot of time physically being a part of this church. I spent more years abroad studying overseas. And that, that time period is around 13 years that I have spent studying abroad. And in that time, there were some breaks that I took in between uh, studying uh, uh, semesters. And during every uh, summer break or winter break, I tried to come to Korea. I wasn't able to come every time, but most of the time I tried to come here to, to receive grace from God and to be re-energized and restored so that I can go back and continue my studies overseas by myself. And thankfully, every time I came to Korea, it wasn't a long period of time, mostly one to two months, but God would, well, God would compress all the grace that He wants to give to me in that short period of time and give it to me so that I can live off that grace and anointing throughout the year. But this time, after settling everything and com coming to Korea for good, I was filled with joy and I felt light.
And of course, I was born in the U.S. And the U.S. is a huge uh, piece of land. They have more than 50 states. And the states that I have lived in uh, is around, is only around four states, the states that I've experienced. The place that I grew up uh, is one state, the place I went to college is a different state, and with the place I'm going to university is also a different state. And so I have never really had a chance to settle in one place. I, w- I was always on the go, moving pl- from place to place, so I never really felt secure. And I'm very thankful that I no longer have to live as a wandering person in my homeland of the U.S. and is able to come to Korea to settle down. So what did God do through me for 13 years? If you ask me this question, that is, then I would, only, I would answer by saying I studied. I studied, I gave everything into my studies. Ever since my years in uh, high school, I went back to the U.S. Uh, when I was a sophomore of, of, of high school. And I don't want to lengthen my testimony here, but I'm just going to share my short, a brief uh, summary of my life to you guys. And I'm sure you guys all have some, some uh, sort of knowledge of my past. And many people think I am very smart. I excel well at my uh, studies. They say I'm talented. I'm, I'm excellent that I'm a genius when it comes to linguistics and languages. And that she is a global uh, scholar. I I know you guys are looking at me in that way through faith. Hopefully it's through faith. But to be honest, I'm not doing this because I like studying. Two, 2007 was when my family came to Korea and we stayed in this church for a year and then we were sent to Singapore to minister, minister over there with, with Deaconess Minengyong. We went to the Gopher Church of, of Singapore and we stayed there only for a year as well. And then we came back to Korea. But during that time, I had a lot of difficulty living uh, away from home. And coming back home just brought so much joy and comfort to my heart. And I received grace after coming back to this church. And I have I, I confessed to the Lord, saying, Lord, I devote my life to you, my whole life to you. And I, I actually said, Lord, I'm going to give up my studies. I'm going to put everything I have for you. It's fine if I don't have a degree. All I need is new. All I need is new. You. But suddenly one day, God, through a leader, spoke to me, said to me, Judy, don't you have to go back to the U.S.? 
And I said, I don't want to go. I already devoted my life to God, so I don't need to go back and get a degree. And I told that leader, that was my, deter- my decision. But the next week, another person came to me and said the same thing. Don't you have to go back to the U.S.? Don't you have to graduate from high school at least? And I said, I, I gave up that, that, that um, decision. I gave up my desire to have a uh, high school diploma. But afterwards, I prayed about it. During, and during my prayer, God said, go. And that's why I obeyed him and went back to finish my high school studies. And through that obedience, God has been preparing a lot for me. And during that period, uh, somebody messaged our family. And that was my, my cousin, David. And he said he wants to come to Korea. He said he wanted to come to Korea. And my mother is the aunt of David. And yeah, she, she asked the church, can I have a, I have a cousin, I have a niece, a nephew that I, mother wants to come to Korea. And that was the first step of his journey in Korea. And once he came to Korea all those years ago, he, never, he was never able to go back. And David back then also brought his younger sister with him. And his sister was still studying in, in, in middle school or elementary school back then. So I went to David's place and took care of uh, my, my little cousin because her parents aren't here. Oh, no, no, so, so we, we kind of did an exchange. I went to the U.S. to live with my little cousin, take care of her, while David came to Korea and he lived with my parents, my family. And like I have said before, I gave up on my studies. When I said I gave up my studies, the, the result, the, the, the process, the methodology, all these things should have been done through the grace of God. But in retrospect, I realized that even though I said I devoted myself to the Lord, I made those decisions out of my old self, my own thoughts and my own past experiences. And I went to the U.S. whilst uh, Pastor Kim was preaching from, from the book of Romans. And even though I was obedient to God's uh, order for me to go back to the U.S., I didn't feel so good about it. I had to be separated from my parents, which was for the first time. And I knew that if I did not 
if I did not keep myself, if I did not protect myself, I would not survive this 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 uh, this period in my life. And I told myself, even if, even if it is difficult, let's just endure through it, push through it for two years, because because after two years, I'm I'm gonna be able to go back. I thought God is going to allow me to come back to the church, to become a church, to live with the church after I get my high school high school diploma. But after the two years passed, and even then, Pastor Kim did not speak much things to me, especially about my future. But during summer break, I came to Korea. And I was ministered by Pastor Kim. And Pastor Kim suddenly said, Hey, what is your dream? And I said, What? What is your dream? What is your vision? I said, I, I don't have anything like that. I just wanted to graduate high school. And I just devoted myself, my de- I dedicated my future for God. I don't know what He's going to do through me. I had nothing, I had no, I had no uh, goal that I was working towards. But God, Pastor Kim kept asking me all throughout that ministry. <clears throat> and because I thought I, I was a good student, I said, maybe I can become a teacher because I'm, I'm good at studying. Then, yeah, sure, become a professor, he says. And even being a teacher, you need to at least have a, 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 a master's degree. But when he said professor to me, my, my, uh, I started God. I got some um, headaches thinking about all the things I have to do in order to become a professor. But I saw uh, God's calling for me. So in my last year of high school, I was preparing to go to college. And when you want to apply for a college, you have to you need to have a good grade, uh, grade and all the re- good, uh, regular records in your current high school. But because I was going back and back and forth between uh, between um, Korea and the U.S., my my credits were not that good. My GDP wasn't GDP GPA is not that good and regular. And so I prayed to God saying, Lord, if this is truly your will for me, then send me to the, 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 the college that you want me to attend. As I was preparing all the papers and documents to apply for a college, Pastor Kim suddenly said, how about going to Wheaton? And there's a lot of things that I'm going to uh, exclude from this story, but I got I applied and I got into Wheaton College. 
and including Wheaton, I applied for five different uh, colleges, universities, and out of the five, I got I got accepted at in <clears throat> at two schools. One of them was a more secular school, and we on the on the, on the other hand, Wheaton was uh, a biblical college, but the secular school was uh, was um, giving me a full tuition, a full, a full scholarship for coming to the school. But uh, back then, my parents were were missionaries in the Philippines, and I even wrote that my parents were missionaries when I applied for college, uh, when I applied for Wheaton. And usually biblical colleges, they do, they, they give a lot of uh, benefits to missionary kids. And because of the legacy of Jamelia, they do well to the kids of missionaries, the biblical colleges of the U.S., that is. But for some reason, Wheaton wasn't giving me any scholarships. So I said, then I'm going to eliminate that school from, from my choice. Maybe I'm, I'm meant to go to this secular school. But, of course, Yerbang Church heard that news, and you guys prayed for me, and Pastor Kim told me to go to Wheaton. That's why I went to Wheaton, even though I was not, I was uh, really disappointed with them because how can, how can they not give me, uh, even if it's not a full scholarship, uh, some sort of scholarship that is, or any benefit to, to, for a missionary's kid. And I went to pray for, uh, when I prayed about this, God said, I'm going to fill your needs. And since I wanted to be obedient, I took out a student loan to go and attend Wheaton. And that student loan still lingers around me because I wasn't able to pay it off yet. So even though that was a small confession I made to the Lord, God still um, revealed His will through me. But, and through the obedience, afterwards he opened wide the door to my um, to my um, master's degree. But anyways, what have I been doing for the past thirteen years? So as I was preparing to go to university, But once again, I was preparing all the right documents to apply. And when I was in college, when I was attending college, the inspiration that God gave to me was that if it is will, if it is His will for me to 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 further my studies, then. Then he's, I'm, uh, my inspiration was that he's going to send me to a seminary college, seminary school. And because I was interested in these ancient languages or biblical languages, I wanted to go and learn uh, ancient Greek and uh, Hebrew and also other languages. 
through the help of some, some professors in my university. I was also taught to, to interpret Syrian. Syrian? And within the university, you can get part-time jobs. And uh, I signed up to be a tutor for, for other students. And during my third year in college, Pastor Kim, that was 2014, I think, Pastor Kim, started to speak about the early churches to me. He spoke to Yerbang Church as well that you need to, we need to restore the image of the, of the early churches. And that's when we started to engage in the fight against the great prostitute and also uh, the Antichrist. And he told me, suddenly he said, shouldn't you study um, Eastern religion? And because I was studying languages, and I was studying multiple languages at once, I did not have time to, to, to focus on a different major. And so suddenly I had to add to my current studies, studies of, 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 of theology. So I got us uh, another. So basically, I had to 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 uh, study for two majors. And I guess luckily there were professors where there were classes in my in the current school that was attending that taught Eastern Orthodox Churchology. That was around the season when God, uh, when Pastor Kim was has proclaimed the the project of raising up the Pillars of Truth team in this church, and you know all the professors that have that have that are a part of that team: Pastor Kim, Pastor John, Pastor you, and me, and Pastor Lee. And when he was when Pastor Kim created that team, I was I was still just a college student, and I had no idea what 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 that team was. I didn't know what the point of that team was. I don't know what why I was in that team. I don't know what I had to do. But since he said you you're a part of this team now, I just said okay. So after I, uh, during my last year in college, I started to, uh, uh, read, read, uh, I, got, I started to get ready the documents in order for me to apply to, 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 to go to graduate school. 
and then applied for five college, five graduate schools again, and I I got accepted at all all of the places that I put in my application. You know, three in the U.S. and two in in Europe. And I also received scholarships from all of the colleges. Of course, they're different in the the percentage, but. I was wondering which school I had to go to, and since all the rest of the professors or all the uh, pastors of our church were going to Europe or going to England, I thought I needed to go to a church, uh, a school in England as well. And I told Pastor Kim I got I got accepted at all the college, uh, all the graduate schools that I applied for, but Pastor Kim said to me, or he messaged me, and as you know, Pastor Kim does not message frequently. He messages with uh, with. With, 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 um, with intention. So he, he, when he contacts you, he contacts you with something that is very important. And this is what he sent me. He said, it's, it's nice that you got, you got accepted at other places you applied. But I wish you would go to Notre Dame University. And of course, he spoke very, with with um, with care, but he told me you should go to a Catholic university. And since the words of Pastor Kim, I regard as the inspirations of the Lord. I applied for Notre Dame and got accepted. And the, actually, uh, the hotel that they had the Shabbat worship yesterday was uh, called Notre Dame. And I don't know if there's any connections between my university and that hotel, but the word Notre Dame means, uh, well, it, it, it means um, Mother Mary. And Wheaton was a Presbyterian college. But when I went to Notre Dame, this is a Catholic school. And they're very good at creating that Catholic environment. And so within the campus, wherever you go, you will be reminded that this is a Catholic, this is a Catholic school. And they would, they, they would build up statues, uh, statues of, 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 of the saints that they believe in. And then in, in the school, there's also a tower with a dome on top. And on top of the dome, there's a statue of Mary. And she's made completely out of gold. And that apparently is the most, in, most famous landmark of this school. A lot of people come just to take photographs of that tower and of Mary. But anyways, they're very good at creating that Catholic atmosphere and ambiance in this in the school. And in in a in a theo, uh, seminary school, you know, it is mandatory for you to attend chapel, which is basically worship in these schools. 
And the funny thing is this school is it wasn't mandatory. Most seminary schools it is mandatory for you to for you to attend chapel, but this school is voluntary. But even though it is voluntary, a lot of people go and attend the chapel, even Christians, non-Catholics. So anyways, it was very different from 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 Wheaton. Because there was there were no churches in in uh, the Wheaton campus. And a lot of students that were attending Wheaton were mistaken because because they have chapel three times a week in in Wheaton. They would not go to church on Sunday because they say I already gave. Offered worship three times. Why, why don't? Why do I have to go out of the campus to find a church on Sunday, to, to go to worship? But anyways, so the this this atmosphere and the culture. Or through, through the atmosphere and the environment, of of this this of this university in Notre Dame. All the students and teachers had a clear identity of, or they were clear upon their own identity. And when you're studying, academically speaking, when you when you go on to another level, it's supposed to be it's natural for it to become more difficult for you to study. The, stu- the material becomes harder for you to understand. And so when I went to this graduate school, it became very difficult for me to study. And also because I was coming in conflict with the, 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 with the professors of Notre Dame. And they were very prideful. The professors were very prideful because they feel like Catholicism is the foundation of Christianity. And so they say they hold all the history of, of the church within their religion. And that really collided with my faith. And there are around 3,000 students studying in Notre Dame. And the funny thing is, well, the interesting thing is, uh, majors relating to theology takes a lot, a big part of all of the majors in that uh, university. Out of 3,000 students, 70, there are 70 professors who are teaching classes of theology in, in this whole university. So that's how prominent uh, their, their uh, theology school is, or theology, uh, their, 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 um, their, te- their sy- teaching system is. So wherever I went in the, ch- uh, went in the school, I was met with, um, with, with saints, with, with statues, and everything that reminded me of that this was the Catholic Church. And the students 
and the students that gave off the most energy that were around me were students that went from Protestant, Protestantism to Catholicism. So they, 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 they uh, changed their religion while, after coming to this university. And they were the ones that gave them the most energy around there. And after their conversion, they went immediately to study that religion. And that's why their identity and their whole, um, I guess, uh, ego is very high. And as a being, I was sh shaken a lot. I was shook. Because what I was studying at Notre Dame, was um, I was learning about Christianity, about I was learning about the history of Christianity. And most of the, the students that were studying my the same same uh, things that I was I was studying were t were learning from Augustine and Chrysostom. And I wanted to make right the, 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 the history, the wrong history that was written. And so I had to study Eastern Orthodox churches. And the Eastern Orthodox churches and the Western Orthodox churches are very different. And I had to learn about all these, difference, these uh, differences. But while in this process, God showed me His goodness. And that goodness was He, he allowed me to meet a professor. He sent two professors to our, to our school who, who was uh, a master of, 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 of Eastern Orthodox Churchology. And that professor was a huge comfort to me because in the sea of Catholics, that professor was the only person that believed in this uh, Eastern, or uh, believed in the Eastern Orthodox Church. And so uh, even though the professors and the other students around me were, were not physically persecuting me or directly persecuting me for, for having a different faith, you can just sense uh, that energy from them that you are not welcomed. Uh, you're different. So having somebody who was, who was similar to me and also uh, knew of, who, who also, also helped me with my studies was a huge comfort and encouragement to me. And in that whole time that I was there, God really humbled me but anyways, I'm studying this Eastern Orthodox Church and I'm building up to explain my paper to you guys. And the title or the theme of my paper is 
I'm not writing about the early churches that we talk about in this church. In theology, the early churches that they talk about starts, starts at 80, 8200. And broadly speaking, it goes on until 80, 1500, 1500. It starts from AD 200 until the, the uh, Reformation. So I have to look throughout that whole time period and study the churches that were in that era. And there's a lot of fight going on uh, going in between the scholars regarding, regarding Christology. And you don't, you, you don't have to search up what debate that they have, but there's a great debate and discussion going on about Christology. And of course, because this is a big fight, there's a lot of sides and perspectives. And there's one scholar that I have been studying, and his name is Alexandria of Cyril. And he's a Greek theologian that came out, came out after the 5th century. And he, he saw that the people were debating on this, on this Christology. And he actually said a famous quote. And the quote that he said is, God, Jesus is very man and also very God. And Pastor Kim also uses this quote. And Alexandria was one of the theologians that, that said this back during that era, during the 5th century. Why am I studying this person, you may ask? Um, most of my paper will be based upon this person. You know, I don't really have much to say to that question. But I'm reading his commentary on the book of John. But, but please pray for me because that, that commentary is very long. But this writer... This writer wrote a lot of commentaries during his time. He has a commentary on Genesis, a lot of the prophetic books, and also the Gospels. I think he wrote Matthew, Mark, and maybe Luke. He also wrote the epistles, commentary on the epistles of Paul. The reason I'm not studying this, the writings of this person because he had a right faith. But in my opinion, he had the eyes and he had the wisdom to be able to look at the Bible as a whole. 
And when he wrote these these commentaries, he was in his early he was he was a young man. And starting from a young age, I'm sure the word of the Lord came into him, and that's why he was allowed to write these commentaries. And in his commentaries, he also uh, answers the question: Why does Je- why did Jesus need to be? a deity or a god and also a man. The reason why he was allowed to be a man was because he was he's a god. I know this this kind of sounds like a paradox but and during his era a lot of people a lot of writers uh disregarded the fact that Jesus was a man. They focused more on his, on his, uh, a lot of people were disregarding the humanity of Jesus and they were focused more on his godly side. And he was one of the writers, only writers that emphasized the humanity of Jesus. And when you summarize his, his stance in our words, he's saying, if, God is not, if Jesus was not the true God, then even, even if he died for us, he, his sacrifice cannot substitute our, our judgment. Because... He is different in nature with us, and so he cannot die in our place. But because he was God, he was able to give up all his, 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 his glory, and he was clothed in the flesh so that he became fully man, so that he can become our ultimate substitution. He absorbed all the sins upon his own body, and he died in our place. And when he died and was resurrected, he poured his life into us. Now we're talking about uh, Christian anthropology. And it's really similar to, to Christology as well. And why is it important for God to show his godly side to us. And the event that, that, that he showed us is through the crucifixion because he was resurrected after his death. But anyways, we're going to go back to Hebrews. When Pastor Kim was preaching from Hebrews, he spoke of many similar things that I was studying. What does Hebrews emphasize? It emphasizes that because Jesus was God, because he was God, he had the heart of the Father. And because of that heart, he came to this land and he completed that perfect salvation. 
And in order to complete that perfect salvation, he went through all those hardships, those tribulations, those curses, those pers- uh, those um, what's it, difficulties. And until till death, he followed and obeyed the, the will of the Lord. And he was resurrected for us, and he went to uh, heaven to finish that holy ministry. So in chapter 1, verse 1, there are some important uh, messages. Verse 1 says that in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. In Greek, Uh, the various ways is put at the beginning of the sentence. So until the coming of Jesus, it's basically saying God spoke in various ways before the coming of Jesus. He spoke in various ways to his people. Sometimes through prophets, sometimes through judges. He spoke of the coming of his kingdom. But in, in the end, In the last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So since his son has come to this earth, he no longer needs to use these various ways to speak to us because Jesus has come. Because he has come. We don't need to look and seek out other things, other methods other than Jesus. Because Jesus is the word itself. And Pastor Kim really likes this statement, which is today. Today? Verse 5. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Which... It's also written in chapter 3, verse 7. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. So, since Jesus come, came, God speaks to us today. Jesus is not just, just another person that was uh, a part of human history. No, He speaks to us forever until eternity. Just because he's not present on this earth right now does not mean he has stopped speaking to us. He comes to us in the present at all times. So today as well, he's speaking to you. And Pastor Kim continues to say, God ultimately speaks to his son. And God, He is uh, the eternal present God. Present. He speaks in the eternal present tense. And He calls Himself Ego Amy, which is I am who I am. He is the person that gave life to all the things in the universe. In chapter 1, verse, verse 5, it says, 
the, the quote, you are my son today, I have become your father. Within this, this means that within the dynamic of the triune God, with the Trinity, you're able to maintain this, this close relationship with the Lord through, through being in, within the Trinity. He, the God, God has become your father. And Jesus himself is also within this relationship of, of the Trinity. God continues to call him his son and the son continues to call him, call, call God the father. But that, that relationship does not only uh, refer, uh, only relate to Jesus. It's not only given to Jesus, but given to us as well. So you cannot separate uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Hebrews. The reason why the, the Hebrew author wrote chapter 1 is because he needed to emphasize the, the, the words written in chapter 2. In chapter 2 verse 11, it says... Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. God did not simply say, you are my son, only to Jesus. But through Jesus, he, sp- he spoke those words to us as well. Or he is speaking those words to us. In chapter 1, starting from chapter 1 of Hebrews, it, the whole book talks about the relationship that we have with God. So all the revelation that is written in this book has to be interpreted through that perspective. If you're interpreted through some other aspect or perspective, then you're going astray. The reason why I had so much difficulty preparing for this message And the reason why I have so much difficulty in, in school is because people try to unravel and interpret the Bible through philosophy and metaphysics. They try to interpret the message of the Lord through, through um, philosophy and metaphysics. And that's why my head was about to explode while listening to their, through their uh, classes. So when they look at the Bible, when God calls himself, I am Ego Amy, I am who I am, Augustine, Thomas, Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, uh, interpreted it as, as uh, actuality. That's how they try to interpret this, this revelation. And this, this, this vocabulary comes from uh, the philosophy of Aristotle. And there's a debate between those who call it actuality and also people who call it potentiality. So even though they're trying to explain and define God, all logic is crumbles when you try to do that. So do not think about um, their interpretations. It's not important, so just 
pass on by. But the point here is that God spoke to us through His Son. And He comes to us in the eternal present, eternally in the present through His Son as well. So He's coming to you today. He's coming to you right now. And that's why we have to continue to encounter that God who is coming towards us. And so, let's look at who the Son is then. Who is the Son? And that comes up from verse 2 to 4. There are eight characteristics of this son listed uh, from verse 2 to 4. And I wanted to summarize those eight characteristics in one word, and that is that Jesus, or the son, is the creator. Number one, number two, verse four, it says that he is the heir, and God created everything through his son. Verse three, is the radiance of God's glory. Four, he is exact representation of his being, and uh, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He has purified sins. Number seven, he sat at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Number eight, he is superior to the angels. These are the eight characteristics of the sun. And like I said before, when, if, you, if you put this in a nutshell, it, basically say, it, it is basically saying that Jesus is the creator. And Pastor Kim says that since uh, the characteristic of being an heir is written first in verse 2, that's the most important uh, characteristic of the son. And of course, it is, uh, him being an heir is important. But the reason why he is the heir is because he himself is the creator. And so he has the right to receive that creation, that universe, as his inheritance. And receiving that as an inheritance means he takes responsibility for that, for that creation. So this is a, a tremendous fact. Jesus says that he's going to be responsible for all of creation. Isn't this amazing? Is it just me? Jesus says, I'm going to be responsible for all of you. So we would not be able to say anything if he just made us and just left us to be. Because the fact that he created us means we have to turn all the glory to God. But God did not stop there. He says he's going to be responsible for you and care for you. And this really represents His amazing love for us. 
And during praise and worship of this Sunday, uh, Deacon Eugene said that we have an irregular f- image of Jesus within our, within our faith. And sometimes we don't acknowledge him as the creator, acknowledge Jesus as the creator. He created me and he wants to care for me, take responsibility for me. Not only that, but he has promised us to make us holy, to make us righteous and lead us to eternity. when we do not acknowledge Jesus as the creator, then his sacrifice on the cross will be, will be no. Why did he take upon the cross? He wanted to get rid of sin that has corrupted us, that was, that was leading us to destruction. And he took that he, and then He restored us. And not only did He restore us, but He also allowed us to become like Him. And that is the, the, the event of the crucifixion. Summarized. And the enemy uh, knows how tremendous this is, and that's why they make us forget about this amazing fact. Amazing event. Let's go back to the, today's text. Verse 2, when it says he's the, uh, he's the heir of all things, Pastor King connected this to ecclesiology. That when, when the church has Jesus as their head, then the church also becomes the heir to all things. So when we're with Jesus, we will receive this all of creation as our as our inheritance, and we will have the right to rule over this this uh, all of creation along with God. We can we can rule over the kingdom of God and also let it be abundant and 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 let its people multiply. But in order for the church to rule this land, it needs to be able to listen to the words spoken by God through Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we can see the the principles of, of creation. And because Jesus is the creator God, he knows the goal of creation. He knows the principles of creation. He knows the spiritual order of creation. And he's speaking to us saying, become like me, Think like me, serve like me, minister like me, live like me, and fight for the truth as I have. 
Throw away everything, cast everything away and bear the cross just as I have done. And that's the goal that we should strive towards, to become like Jesus in the end. But when Jesus is not raised as, as the Creator, and before the message started, I talked about my past and how I have studied and lived for the past 13 years. Something that I struggled with in those years is, even though God has called me to this church, He has called me to be a part of this of this ministry. Why am I always separated from the church? And 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 I was under the influence of unbelief at that at that at that point, because even though physically I was apart from the church, spiritually speaking, I was never away and never separated from this church. When Pastor Kim goes overseas, for example, when he goes to Israel to hold these conferences, he's not separated from the church spiritually. He's just separated physically. He's still the part, a part of this church and the head of this church. But even though I knew, I knew what God was doing, I... This thought continued to come up within me, and that is, why is it always me? Why is it just me? Why do I have to be separated by, and be by myself for all these years to study? Why do I have to be here all by myself and receive all these persecutions and attacks? God did something and and I repented and the reason the reason why I repented was because God came to me and apologized he said I'm sorry he spoke to me endlessly comforting me comforting me saying I'm sorry and you would think that he would have a lot of things to say but I just heard him saying he's sorry. And I contemplated his words. And the reason why I could only hear him apologizing is because I was only ready to listen to those words. I couldn't receive and accept anything else. And while trying to manage this burden of being a part of this uh, Pillars of Truth team, I struggled a lot because I, I really uh, tried to manage it through my own strength at times. But very thankfully, coming into Korea this time, 
God really showed me this energy that was within me. And he started to take away that energy that drove me. And of course, I'm not fully uh, separated from this influence yet. But all the bad thoughts that I had, all the thoughts of unbelief that was tormenting me, start to fade away and I realized all the, the glory, the power and authority that I have lost because of, of these thoughts and this unbelief. And Pastor Lee also confessed last week, the reason why we study is, be, is for the glory of the Lord. And the reason why God put me in a place where I am I'm susceptible to hardships, to persecutions and difficulties is because he is in full control of that situation. And if I w- would have uh, uh, um, maintained my focus on the Lord, then I would have seen his glory behind my, my studies. then my relationship with him would have become more intimate because I would be be under his principle, be under his providence. How good would that have been for me? And so that's why I repented. And I'm still repenting about for my mistakes. The goal of creation, as this is being unraveled, God started to touch and cure me of the of the scars and wounds that I have received while studying abroad. All the strengths and energy that I held on to because I thought I needed it to to help me survive through this time. All the things that um, that in the end has has led me to a different path, is what God has been showing me recently after coming to Korea this time. And the reason why I'm speaking of these things to you guys is because we're living in this age. The problems and issues that I have struggled with for over a decade was unraveled in an instant. instant. in, well, in one instance, after coming back from Korea, coming back to Korea. And God has invited us into this new season in this church. And in this new season, that, that's what he wants to do for, for you as well. All the issues and problems that you have been holding on to, the spirit of religion, unbelief, deception, legalism, all the things that you were struggling with, spirit of Jezebel even, God wants to get rid of them. And he has already given rid of them. And he has already, already separated, separated you from its influence. So all you have to do now is, is look at him, see his glory, face him, and acknowledge that Jesus is your creator. 
and that the reason why he created you is because he wants to have this loving relationship with you and his ultimate goal is for you to become like him. He has done everything for us, for, for us to become like him. All we have to do is open up our hearts and receive him, accept him. It is so simple. And yet I couldn't do it for the past 13 years. After struggling, struggling with this issue for 13, even, even 16 years, I finally get a glimpse of what, what uh, the solution is. But the spirit of religion that has bound my, 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 uh, my mind I think I started when I was very young. When my father began his ministry, I was around, I think, five years old when he started to minister. I think it was around five, when I was five when he was ordained. And we were attending a Korean church in the U.S. He was serving as an associate pastor over there. And ever since then, I had this thought within myself that I had to live a good life. I had to be, live a proper life. I need to become a spiritual model for the other kids in, in church. And I'm not blaming my parents for my spirit of religion. I chose, it is my fault that I chose to receive that religion. Because if I did not do so, then I was afraid of listening to the, the judgment of the other people. And, and I would become heartbroken listening to their judgments. But through that time, time the Spirit has continued to bind me. But I'm sure this is, I'm not the only person that has gone through this. Because this is the main flow of the, of the great prostitute. Now, who is the great prostitute? What is the principle that, that she spreads? Is... They make you obsessive over your mistakes, over your sins, over your wickedness and sinful nature. Especially in the Catholic world. People, well, well, especially in the Presbyterian churches that have come out of Catholicism. They say Jesus has paid the price for all of our sins. He has become our substitute for the judgment, um, for, for our judgment. And he has died, wearing our sins, and he has resurrected. 
And in order to give us, well, He is resurrected in order to give us His resurrection. And He's seated on the right-hand side of, of the majesty. So the cap- they no longer talk about the ministry that he, th- he did in heaven. He's just seated there. Jesus just becomes the great interceder for us in heaven. They exclude the part where Jesus has uh, erased our sin files in heaven after going up. But anyways, they say Jesus become our, 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 became our high priest. He's become our interceder and, and, and our uh, counselor. So there's, there's no result of what he has done for us. And so in our lives, the, 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 the event or the sacrifice that Jesus has done does not really affect me because I'm still sinning. I'm still affected by my sinful nature, by my wickedness, by my desires. So what Jesus did really doesn't really, uh, doesn't really apply anything to me. And what Augustine said, he says there are four stages to, uh, um, in human history, four stages in human history. And I wrote it down. And the reason why I'm speaking about this is because it is quite important. It says the four stages of humanity. Number one is humans who are able to sin. Is This is the state of humans who were created in the first place. So Adam and Eve. They are humans who did not sin, but who are able to sin. And the second stage is humans who are not able to not sin. This is the, the, the stages of humans after uh, the, the downfall of Adam. People cannot help themselves but, but to sin. And what Augustine is saying is that after Adam, humanity cannot help themselves but to sin. They do not have power to not sin. And you can, it, it seems true. What is the third stage then? It's talking about the people who have, or are saved. And those are humans who are able to not sin. And, and it's, it seems quite true, doesn't it? Because we in this church, we also say, after you're saved, through the help of the Holy Spirit, you can deter yourself from sinning. But listen carefully, the four stages is the glorified man. Is the man that lives and, and stands in the new heaven and new earth or paradise. And that, that man is the human who is not able to sin. So the third stage is the humans are given the ability not to sin, but the fourth stage is you are, it is impossible for you to sin. And that is glorification. And 
Glorification is the same glorification that we are talking about in this church. But they have pushed that stage to, to the new heaven and new earth. So they're saying until the new heaven and new earth come upon this land, it is impossible for you to, be, to, to reach the stage of glorification. So this is how they have corrupted, corrupted the, the, the gospel of the Lord. So they're saying it is justified, it is very right and very natural and very obvious for you to continue to sin while living on this earth because you can never reach that stage until, until his kingdom comes. And we should live satisfied for ha- by having the ability to not sin, but not reaching the stage where it is impossible for us to sin anymore. But what Jesus has done on the cross is he has made us into beings who are not able to sin, which is the fourth stage. So this is how they, they uh, intricately change the, the, the truth of, of, of God. And that's how they have corrupted Christianity from within. Jesus is the creator God. And he came upon this earth to take care of us, to take responsibility for us. He, he came in order to make us like him. But the people can no longer receive that message. And that's why they just send back Jesus back to heaven, seat him on the throne and say, We're go- just stay there and we'll, we will live our own lives. And they say, because you, you are a God, you are you're a divine being. You're, you're too different from us. And because you are a God, that's why you can keep yourself from sinning while you were on this earth. And I'm, since I'm just a man, I cannot help but to sin. So even though you were on this earth, you were only here for a short period of time and you went back to heaven, didn't you? And, the, and since you're in heaven, you're so far away from us, the person that connects us to you is Mother Mary. So this is what the Catholic Church says. I'm not exactly sure of the, the, the whole, uh, the whole um, what was it, dynamic and the relationship and the principles that they have. But while I was studying in university, in university under some professors, sometimes it's mandatory for you to become uh, an assistant to the professor. And being an assistant basically means you are the professor's secretary, basically the servant. And you also get paid a little. But, but when I became an assistant, I could not... I could no longer choose the classes that I wanted to, to listen. Because even though you may, you may try to apply for, to become an assistant to a certain professor, they don't listen. It doesn't mean that, that you would go to that class. You would get to become an assistant to that professor because the school decides ultimately. But one of the professors that I was an assistant to, she was, 
she was a nun. And the class that she taught was um, the, the teachings of Mary. And I went in, in as an assistant for that professor. And so I had to listen to that class. And imagine the people, the students that signed up for that class. They are all Catholic Catholics. And uh, you have to understand that, that, that the students that attend my university are not all Catholics, but people who sign up to listen to Mariology, to study the field study of Mary, are, would naturally all be Catholics because they're the only ones that are interested in this, in this, in this study. So what, why, what do they teach in that class? They say that because when Jesus was on this earth, he did not sin, how was he not able to sin? Where is the source of that power? And they say that source of his, his ability to not sin came from Mary. And he's, they say that there's a reason why God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus. In our perspective, Mary just was he she was obedient in her faith she had her eyes open to the providence of god but in the catholic world they say there's a clear reason why god chose mary because she's special and the reason why mary was chosen was because she also did not sin throughout her life and that's why jesus had to come from mary so that he could also inherit the ability to keep himself from sinning does that make sense and does it end there no it does not end there they're going to say well, how was mary keep herself how did was mary able to keep herself from sinning they go throughout they try to find to try to find reasons to justify the, the Mary's ability to not sin. And they would go back and say, of course, then Mary's mother also was a saint, also never sinned. And I, I actually questioned her saying, why stop there? Why not go to Mary's grandmother or great-grandmother? Why do you just stop at Mary's mother? compare your own life to the life of Jesus if there's an issue if there's an error if there's a, something that you lack and because you feel like it is incomparable that's why you push him away and seat him on the throne of heaven and keep him there But if you accept Jesus as your creator, creator, and if you acknowledge that Jesus wants to come and encounter you, he wants to come and meet you, then, um, then you would have this, uh, the basis of the right relationship, uh, of, of this right, right relationship with the Lord. And Augustine said a lot of things 
and made a lot of statements that are very uh, funny and entertaining in our perspective. And Augustine wrote a lot of books. And one of the things, one of the books that he wrote was on nature and grace. And in this book, Augustine tries very hard to fight against this issue of sin. Why is there sin within humankind? And in this book, he's fighting against another author, which is Pelagius. Pelagius was a person that wrote that humans are able to deter themselves from from sinning. They're able to resist themselves. And Augustine wrote this book on nature and grace to fight against Pelagius. They're saying he, because Augustine was set on the thought that uh, humans ha- do not have the ability to fight against sin. And so that's why he had to create the concept of the original sin, the sin that is inherited uh, into us, passed down from generation to generation. Let's look at First John, one verse eight, which is a common, common confession made by all the saints in the Old Testament. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive our, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So this is what uh, Augustine used in his debate against Pelagius in his book. He's saying, look, look, even the saints written in the Bible, they say that they have no, they have no ability to say that they have no sin within themselves. But in parentheses, he, he, wrote, he wrote excluding Mary. So all of humanity is under this concept that, that sin is passed down into them, that they have no ability to keep themselves from sinning, except for Mary. Except for Mary. That is the stance of Augustine. And that's how they came up with the study, Mariology. So, as Augustine is using the words of 1 John, he also used verse 7 of chapter 1. But if we walk in the light as he is in the other, in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He actually uh, disregards this verse then by using only verse 8 to, to, to support his, the, his debate. He does not mention verse 7, which, which goes against his logic. And 
Of course, we can not say we have the ability to not sin. But we know that we have the new self within us and we have the Holy Spirit within us that talks to us, that helps us, that encourages us, that helps us to become like Jesus. And that is not written in the future tense. It will not happen to you far, far in the future. He's, Jesus is saying that I have already done it for you. You, are already, you have already been saved. You have been redeemed. But Augustine completely ignored that. And the blood of Jesus has no power according to him. He shed his blood for nothing then. And of course, we can, we can point p- fingers at the Catholic Church and also at Augustine. But the important thing is, who is Jesus to you? And like I said before, I'm not a I'm not studying the Bible itself. People who have studied these books are the other professors, they are the other uh, doctors of this church. And I was not particularly... Um, uh, I did not study this book, but... Regardless of that, I received a lot of grace while listening and meditating upon the words of Hebrews. But even when I'm studying about the important figures of the early churches, a lot of the early churches hold on to the teachings of Hebrews. According to the, uh, the, the theory of, of the Eastern Orthodox Church, the difference that it, between the Eastern and the Western is that the Eastern Church, Orthodox Church, had the eyes to look at the provenance of the Lord in creation. They say that our salvation started from the point where Adam was created. Creation itself was was the start of the process of salvation. And even though after Adam, mankind became corrupted and turned away from the Lord, God still chose His people, Israel, to become His people. And He led the salvation of humanity through that, through His people by sending his son into the family, uh, the family line of David. So the Eastern Orthodox Church looks at the event of creation with, and of salvation and of the end times as one flow. And that's exactly what the, what exactly the true system of this church Because God made me, He saved me, He took responsibility for me. 
he did not create me only, but he made a church. He raised his church. And he gathered us in this place. And he has made us to be his remnant. And in order to fulfill his will, he has made us to be his co-workers. And this is such a great privilege that he has given us. And he could reveal his will upon this earth without us. And if I apply this to myself, even if I don't get this degree, God could, uh, could prove his, his truth and protect his truth regardless of, of me having, being there or not. But then, regardless of that, he called me, he called us to partake in this glory. And that is such a, a, a topic of thankfulness for us. And I'm going to conclude my sermon. I didn't know time has passed already. And there are some things that I planned on saying and some things that I did not plan on saying. But do not ask, why didn't you talk about this verse? I planned on from the beginning to talk about one concept through the through this text. And as I have gone through the sermon with you guys here, within I really wish that the image of Jesus would be reformed within restored within our hearts. Jesus was fully man, uh, fully God, and that's why he could become fully man. But if we get deceived, sometimes we push away his humanity. So that's why we have to see Jesus clearly. When we see Jesus clearly, we'll be able to see what it means to be a man. There's a Korean expression, is to live like a man. But in order, us for, in order for us to live like a man, we need to live like Jesus. Because he became man, he has restored our humanity. And furthermore, he has also given us his divinity. Uh, let's pray. We are in the midst of a new season, right? Amen? We're in this new season, right? We are all a part of this new season. We are all within this new season. 
And what, is God, what God is doing within this new season is, He's showing us what has corrupted the image, image of Jesus, the image of God within us. And God is not only showing us these things, but He has removed it. it has, he has already removed these elements. And all you have to do is believe for you to be completely separated from those influences. So, Jesus is the Creator God. What does it mean that He is the Creator God? It means that He wants to make you, make me, like Him. And because He has made us to become like Him, that's why He has invited you, made you into His heirs of all things. And that's why He has called you to this church. He has called you to this ministry. What else has He called you to? He has proclaimed uh, our restoration. So we must no longer look at ourselves and what we could do, but see ourselves through His eyes. And when we are able to look at Him properly, we will be able to see our true selves. And Pastor Kim says this quite often. What is the event of salvation? Is making a beggar to be a king. You, you have become a completely new being, a different being. So there was a huge transformation within our lives. And another expression of this is, God has created something out of nothing. Even though we had no right, even though we were unworthy, He has chosen us, called us, and He says, I want to make you become like me. That's who God is to us. So Lord, in this time, we thank you for calling us to this new season. And in this season, in this time, we want to go into your Kairos truly see who we are and more than that we want to see who you who Jesus is help us to understand this and see see him clearly and would you destroy this uh, the, the, the the distractions of the enemy and let us see that we are a part of your kingdom right now let's pray
Lord, speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us through your, your Holy Spirit. Help us to see your plans to make us like you. Lord, pour your heart upon us. Pour your heart upon us. Your heart towards creation. Your heart towards us. Your heart towards your church. Your heart towards your remnants. Would you pour your heart upon us? We want to receive your heart by faith in this time. You are my child. You have never sinned before because you will become like me. This is my plan. I have done it for you. I have already achieved everything for you. Lord, speak to us. Come and speak to us. Speak to us today. Right now, in this time, come and touch us. Oh, Lord of love, God of love, come upon us and speak to us. Would you lead us according to the will, according to the goal of your your creation? Maybe I went a little bit heavy. Are you guys burdened? No, right? I spoke of many things today. But to be frank, the most important thing that you need to understand from this message is that He has done it all. And once you believe in that, once you receive that, everything is finished, everything is completed. And so I sent uh, you guys a song to listen to because I wanted to sing it together and confess it together uh, in the service. So let's do that now. More than anything, help us. Uh, thank you so much for uh, giving us this calling, giving us your grace so that we can live through and endure through this end times. You have given us your word, you have given us your Holy Spirit, and you have given us your blood. We praise you for all this. Lord, help us to gain faith. And help us to break all the confinements that has been uh, set by the enemy and restore our true image. And through this worship offered, would you be the only person being lifted up here? We pray for the offering offered today. Because all this belongs to you. Even though we are supposed to give our lives for you. Substituting our lives and we offer a tenth of our earnings to you. Would you use this for your abundance? And would you bless your, your church companies and bless your, uh, the members of the church with your abundance? 
and bless all the people to become blessed beings who can, who can manage and repair your will upon this earth. And bless us that we can become a source of blessing to others in this uh, day of evil. In this age of now, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, and through the holy love of the Father and the indwelling, comforting, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit to the saints who, to the saints who are willing to look at Jesus and who are willing to think through, uh, through the mind of the Father, let it be upon all those who love you, be upon their families, upon their churches, upon their inheritors, upon all of our uh, ministries, and let it be upon Zoe Ministry and upon your own church, and also upon Israel. May this blessing rest from now on till forevermore. Amen.